Our current guest is musician Matthew Nelson, one half of the famous Nelson twin sons of rock and roll legend Ricky Nelson and grandson of entertainment icons Ozziet and Harriet Nelson. Matthew and his brother Gunner perform as the band Nelson when Matthew and Gunner first hit number one on the Billboard Hot 100 chart with Can't Live Without Your Love and Affection, which they wrote and performed. It landed them into the Guinness Book of World Record as the only family in entertainment history with three generations of number one hit makers. Thank you for joining us, Matthew. Well, thank you. If my memory serves me correctly, the release of that album and the success of, uh, was at the time when grunge and Seattle music started to emerge on the scene. Did that uh, genre uh, impact your music or your album or your style at all? Well, I think that that, uh, that genre actually, it was the largest paradigm shift in music history. It affected everybody. Yes, it I did. I mean, Gunnar and I were... Absolutely. Gunnar and I had, uh, we were kind of the bookends on the whole, what we call confidence rock era. You know, we had uh, hard rock, but uh, pop hits that were on pop radio. And ironically enough, Nirvana, which spearheaded that entire grunge movement, was signed to the offshoot label of Geffen we were signed to. So not only did it close the door on us in a lot of ways, just with uh, musical taste in, in, in general, but at our own record label. So we had to get smart real quick and, uh, it was, a, it was a pretty rough road. We spent a lot of time overseas and reinventing ourselves. And just out of uh, kind of the desperation of the moment, we started one of the first independent rock music labels called Stone Canyon Records, which is what we've been releasing records on ever since. And it's, it's kept us working and, more importantly, servicing our, our fans through the years and the changes. And here we are 20 years later, and it's not so unhip to be us anymore. It's kind of come around full circle, and kids are getting into guitar music with rock band and things like that. And you know, people that were fans of ours from 20 years ago have kids that they're bringing to the show. So we're having a, great, a really great time. And, uh, you know, we haven't stopped making records. It's not like we stopped recording in, in you know, 20 years ago. But um, we have a record called The Blonde Leading the Blonde, which is basically uh, uh, we, we, we actually recorded a contemporary classic rock album for all those people that love guitar music. Now, I, I don't know how intimate you were uh, growing up with, with your father's uh, music career. You obviously, you and your brother have gone through uh, 20 years minimum of, of a career. C- could you explain to me, as, as somebody from an independent label, what your opinion is on what's happened from when you started understanding the business of music up till the, the current moment? Because we've gone through uh, social networking, we've gone through internet, we've gone through uh, v- venue changes of profit sharing, etc. Maybe if you could comment a few words on that. Well, everything has changed. The one thing that stays constant is, uh, I think, is something that's real truth is in, in our business, it really comes down to a hit song. It's, all, it's a song-oriented business about anything. Um, there's so many differences from when we started and, and you know, now. I, I can't even uh, – it would take us hours. I mean, something as simple as you, when we used to send out a, a, a letter to our fan club, it cost us $35,000 in postage for every mailing. And now it's as easy as hitting a keystroke on a computer, and it's instant. So that kind of um, that's a real asset to people like us, especially that are doing it uh, independently, and uh, for for music fans in general. What it does, though, unfortunately, is there's a there's a trade-off. You know, kids nowadays tend to not pay for the music they're listening to, so music has really become a commercial for the band. And you know, you go out and you see them play live. I, I agree and, with that, by the way. I really do. Yeah, and uh, one thing that's good for us, I mean, the one bad thing, well, we have to go there. The good thing for us is we love traveling, and more importantly, we're really capable of playing live. We love to play live. That's that's how we had to prove ourselves before. We never really were the 
we were almost kind of, uh, because we were sons of, we always felt that we were almost guilty until proven innocent. We had to be, we couldn't learn on the job, if you will. You know, mm-hmm. we started playing clubs at a very young age. And so for us, you know, we haven't really changed our path, but uh, the business has definitely changed around us. As you were growing up, you were the son of famous Ricky Nelson and grandson of Ozzie and Harriet. I'd like to ask you a personal question, if I could, about where you were or how you found out about your father's passing. I mean, it, to me, it seems like there was a lot less mediums, and and your father being as famous as he was, I, I could only, I, I have these visions of you finding out from a news anchor as opposed to the traditional ways. And back in the uh, 80s, I think that would probably be a, a, a little bit unusual. Could you maybe t- talk to me a little bit about that? Well, uh, let's just say this. I found out about it on the car radio. And okay. um, I, I was actually supposed to be on the plane with my brother. And, oh, wow. You know, we were living with my dad. I was 18 years old. So we, you know, we knew each other very well. And I was, you know, he had another question. I was extremely aware of his career. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, knew, I knew all about the songs, who wrote what. I'm, I'm pretty much a walking dictionary of what he did. But more importantly, he was just a great guy. And it was New Year's Eve. And uh, for whatever reason, he told us if we wanted to go with him or, or whatever, that we'd probably have to meet him in Dallas. He had a couple of smaller shows to play, and he was going to meet us there on his private plane. And uh, we just decided that we would wait for him to get back because the whole point was to spend time with him. And I just kind of get a feeling now that he knew something was going to go on, but I was in the car, and uh, they were playing a couple of his songs, and I, didn't, I never put it together. I just thought, wow, I can't believe this, the local rock station is playing some of my dad's stuff. It wasn't the oldies station. And the disc jockey came on after the last tones of Garden Party, and he was choked up. And he said, this has been a tribute to Rick Nelson, who was killed today, along with his entire band in a plane crash in Dallas. And I was with a a girl at the time, and she grabbed me and said, it can't be true. And all I remember was running out of the car and passing out. And the thing is, I call it now like it's a football game. I can't really think about anything more horrible than experiencing something like that. My brother found out, yes, from a news anchor. Hmm. And uh, it's been a love-hate relationship with the media ever since. I mean, we understand it's a necessary evil that we have to deal with. But for whatever reason, they didn't give us the uh, not only the benefit of letting us know through uh, discrete channels, but uh, after he passed away, they were completely unfair to him. And uh, there were so many things that came up about what caused the plane crash. And unfortunately, since there was a, a settlement with the aircraft company that improperly maintained the plane and caused the crash, we couldn't say anything as a family. It was part of the settlement. Mm-hmm. And so he took a lot of lumps that he didn't need to take. The NTSB report came out, of course, saying what happened, which is a gasoline heater caught on fire mid-flight. And, uh, it, you know, the media didn't really want to cover that because it wasn't as salacious as, you know, what, it, what they were reporting. So... You know, here we are 25 years after his passing, and uh, it still feels fresh to me. It's like I say in the show, I still feel like he's out on the road, and I'm waiting for him to come home. It absolutely floors me that uh, I, I witnessed uh, the passing of my mother, and and yeah. that feeling that you're talking about, it, it brought up memories right when you said that. And so I was trying to envision about somebody with a famous parent and how they might find out. And, you know... To, to kind of expand on what you said a little bit about how the, I don't know, the the media handled it afterwards with the love-hate relationship. As a, as a child, I remember, and I don't remember which news anchor it was, but they mm-hmm. kind of put their fist down and said that uh, I won't have it. I know this man. He's a good man. 
And uh, yep. I won't continue on with this. Did you did you ever hear about that, or did you know that? I actually that? was watching it. I watched it, and I believe it was Dan Rather. I thought it was too, but I you know I was I was probably ten eleven years old at the time, and so I necessarily don't don't remember who it was. But I remember it was one of the yep. anchors, and it was somebody I that. Have, uh, it was amazing. I was there. I was I was watching it happen. This is after two and a half weeks of him just getting creamed in the media. And Dan Rather, I believe it was, put his fist down and said. I won't be a part of this. This is irresponsible journalism. It's not fair to him or his family. And I'm just not going to besmirch his name because it's not right. And I have never to this day ever seen anybody take a stand for a celebrity like that. I have not either. And I was so impressed with it. And it kind of said it because it's kind of like now, you know, here I am years later and I still meet people that come up saying that my dad was about the nicest guy they've ever met. And uh, hopefully that's the legacy I'll leave behind. I think it's much more important even than his music. He was just a great guy. Did you guys ever think that uh, it was unusual when you had just celebrities around the house and that sort of thing growing up? Because uh, my son, he's his mother's uh, in, in, in a band. She's a lead singer in a, in a local uh, band here, and uh, I'm on the radio. So she, he, sure. he, he thinks all of uh, the people he knows are either on the radio or singers in bands. Well, it's pretty normal. I mean, for us, we, we really didn't know until later that, you know, not everybody's dad was a rock star. Everybody's <laughs> grandparents were TV icons. You know, I mean, the guy that, you know, was always around the house with the crazy hair was Bob Dylan. And Uncle George, who lived next door, was George Harrison. And, you know, our babysitter was Mama Cass Elliot from the Mamas and Papas. And, I mean, that was, that, was, that was real life for us. But, again, you know, on my mother's side of the family, you know, my grandpa Tom Harmon won the Heisman Trophy at Michigan in 1940. And my uncle Mark is, you know, Mark Harmon from NCIS, mm-hmm. Gibbs. So for us, it's just kind of the family business. Everybody, let's put it this way, it keeps you real because it, if we always knew, no matter how many millions of records we sold, you know, we got to go, we got to be around the block a, a ways to kind of, you know, get it to the top of the, the family tree. You know what I mean? We, we're, uh, we got a long way to go. Matthew Nelson, thank you very much for your time. This has been a real treat. Matthew Nelson, an entertainment iconic family member, Guinness Book record holder for the only family in entertainment history of three generations of hit makers. Matthew, thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much. And that was Matthew Nelson of the Nelson Brothers. Want to mention he's playing in Minot, North Dakota, October 1st at the Norse Coos Fest. For more information, visit our website, buildingthebakken.com, and we have the full-length interview as well as linked-up information. As the Black Hills becomes busier with oil and gas professionals, researching the Tyler or traveling through to the Bakken, I'd like you folks to remember the recipient of the 2013 TripAdvisor Certificate of Excellence Award, the Super 8 in Spearfish, South Dakota. That's where I stay when I go to the Black Hills. Quick, easy access to Deadwood, Belfouche, and Rapid City. The Super 8 in Spearfish, South Dakota has a retractable roof over their pool and hot tub area. The retractable roof is a one-of-a-kind for this region, Comfortable beds, friendly staff, and a free breakfast with Wi-Fi. The Super 8 in Spearfish, South Dakota also accommodates to RV parking, business and family friendly. For more information on the Super 8 of Spearfish, South Dakota, call 605-642-4721. That's 605-642-4721. Or visit our website, buildingthebakken.com. We have their information linked up. That's the Super 8 in Spearfish, South Dakota. 